Uh, folks, just a warm welcome to you again. Uh, if you've joined us as we've been worshipping, uh, my huge congratulations to those of you who uh, support the Irish uh, rugby team. Um, it's wonderful. Just, just delighted. I, 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 I kind of was in one way because fair play, Brian O'Driscoll, legend and all that, and I kind of wanted him to do well, but I really didn't want him to do that well, um, if I'm honest. So uh, enjoy that while that lasts. We do really mean that. We mean come as you are. Come as you are wearing the, you know. It's one of the things that we, uh, it's a hallmark of ours. We want to be a people. We want to be a church. No, I don't want to wear it. That is never, ever, don't even put it near me. Thank you, Brian. We, um, we're a rowdy bunch. Um, come as you are. Because that's how, that's how Jesus accepts us as people, right? He, when he came and he lived all those years, he didn't come for the religious folks. In fact, he despised the religious folks and they were the ones that he gave the biggest hard time to, really. He came for those in need, those who are sick and those that needed healed up and those that needed hope and those that needed rescued. They're the people he came to. And uh, he's still rules and reigns here on earth and they're the people that uh, that he comes to and so when we come we come as we are we come warts and all island tops and all in the same category we come we come and we come we lay it out and because he's so gracious and because he's so kind he then takes that and says but here's a different way you don't want to keep living like that, do you? Here's a different way. Walk in this way. This is much better. So he doesn't stand and condemn and point the finger and rub it in. It's a classic J. John saying, have you ever heard of him? He didn't come to rub it in. He came to rub it out. And he removes it and he cleanses it and he heals it. He says, come and walk this way. This is a far better way you want to be going. Okay, so come as you are. Uh, but don't stay as you are. Walk the walk. That's what we're doing today. And uh, we're in Ephesians. We're at the beginning of Ephesians. And it's kind of following on a similar theme of what Paul spoke about, um, uh, what we looked at last week at the end of chapter 4. We uh, have explored over the last few weeks about how Jesus, through his death on the cross, has made a way that we might have relationship with him. And that's our horror that I made the mess last week, our vertical relationship but through that, in establishing a new people, this thing here called the church. Folks, look around. I don't normally do this interactive sort of thing, but just look around. I know it's a bit awkward and catch the eyes of someone else. Nice. But don't you all look funny? Like we're, we're all different shapes and we're all different sizes and we're all different ages and some have got short hair and long hair and no hair and uh, some wear glasses and some don't. It's like playing guess who, isn't it? And it, it's like, this is what he came to establish, a new people on earth as it is in heaven. And one day we're going to be together forever and ever. So if you don't like each other now, get used to each other because we're going to spend a long time together, right? But this is what God established for us. And now what Paul does is he outlines the way in which we should live, the way that we should do this horizontal um, relationship with one another. And last week... If you missed it, 
I hope that it gets online. I, I think it got missed being put online, but hopefully it will be there. Uh, it was a whole list of do's and don'ts. And, um, and I kind of try to stress this because I think sometimes there's this perception that being a Christian is about not doing certain things and being a Christian is about doing certain things. And whilst there's a little bit of kind of truth in that, that's not, it's not meant to be a list of rules and regulations because what it is about is about relationship. And so all the things that we looked at last week and what we're going to look at this week is not a you must try harder list. What we must do is try to love him more and know him more and the more that we know him, all those behaviours and things kind of fall into place. And that's what we're going to look at today. Darling, would you come and read for us? Thanks. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not even be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them." For you were once darkness, but you, now you are a light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Great stuff. Thank you. So then, follow God's example, therefore as dearly loved children. Other versions of the Bible, uh, instead of saying for, uh, follow God's example, would speak of being imitators of God. Being imitators, copying, doing the things that God, uh, who God is and what God does. Paul uses this language because in that time, uh, the Greek people, uh, a certain thing in around that time was uh, people that were called orators or orators. I can't really pronounce that, but an orator was a public speaker, a learned person, someone who would go into the public places and speak out loud. And for an orator to train, it consists of three parts, that they would understand a certain uh, theory that there was imitation and there was practice. It was all part of their training procedure. And Paul is saying to these people in Ephesians, to, the, to those of Greek understanding, 
that they are to imitate God, to follow his example, to do what he does as dearly loved children. Put a modern day kind of spin on it. Those of us who are parents, our children imitate what we do. Like it or lump it, that's what they do. I, I've noticed in my uh, kind of aging years, um, I, I, I'm saying things and doing things and mannerisms that my father used to do. And I kind of catch myself on. I'm like, I, oh my goodness, that was something he used to say. That's something that he used to do. And I know that my own children, you watch it in them, they say phrases that I use. They act in certain ways that I do. That's quite scary, isn't it, folks, those of us who are parents? I pray that they copy all the good stuff and the bad stuff. They kind of don't, but they probably will as well. They imitate, they imitate, they watch, they learn, they see, and they copy and they do. It's human behavior. And we're called, Paul is saying to his people, copy God's example. Do what he does. And the next sentence speaks of what that is. This is what we're called to, folks. Out of everything that I say this morning, would you just capture this one here? We are called to be imitators and copiers of God, and that is to live a life of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering. It's real simple this week, folks. It's nothing profound. Live a life of love. I love 1 John 4, um, verse 18, I think it is. We love because he first loved us. And that's the thing. I could say to you folks, just go love, just go love. That's easy, but how can you love if you've not known love? And we can only love when we've known love and we've experienced love. And that's why we do love songs. That's why we have, you know, good worship which helps us, that leads us into his presence. And we have those little twinkly, twirly bits. I can't really pronounce it any better. Kind of at the end where Vicky and the guys, they're giving space. Because sometimes, I don't know about you, in those places, I'm like, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. I know when the words come up, I'm meant to sing them. But in those kind of spaces, what am I supposed to do? And here's what we do. You just, you just do what comes naturally. And if that's just to be still, you're still. For me, sometimes I, I just speak things that kind of, kind of this, is, this is how I feel. Oh, my goodness. Remember when Chantelle and I met, you know, we, those of you who uh, are in love or have known love, you, you know what it was like when, when you fell in love. It was just the most incredible experience of like, oh, I just love you. I love you. And you, you end up doing things that you'd never do. It's like, oh, my goodness. I'd never do that for anyone, but I'm doing this for you. Because I love it. And I remember time and time again, and oh, I, 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 I was lost for words of what to say. Still like that. <laughs> Don't shake your head. That's, it's like you, I couldn't fat, I couldn't kind of come up with a language uh, to kind of express that. And it's like we can only love when we've experienced love, when we know what that is. And to follow and to do the things that God is, is to live a life of love. Now, here's our reference point. Our best bit is 1 Corinthians 13. It is the best bit in the whole of the Bible. And that's your homework, folks. Okay? And I'm, a, I'm quite serious, actually. Like, like if, if this was in a classroom right now, I'd be telling you to get your homework diaries out and write it in and all the rest. And 
If you're taking notes and you've got to find, is, is go seriously this week and read that passage from 1 Corinthians 13. Read it, pray and say, God, show me, illuminate me, expound this piece of scripture to me that I might receive more of who you are and your character and then help me live it out. I get stuck on the first bit, love is patient. I kind of can't get past that bit. Love is patient, love is kind, love is, it's not just a nice, well it is a nice bit that's read at weddings, right? But it is who God is. And folks, if you're coming here this morning, you're positioning yourself in a seat there, you are so welcome and it is such a good place to be. But here's the thing, you're going to go home today and you're going to say, oh, that was good, or oh yeah, that was, you might say it was a bit entertaining, you might say it was dead boring. You might have all kinds of thoughts and comments about all of this. But here's the thing. Unless you go, unless you start walking the walk, instead of talking the talk, nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change. You're just going to be the same. We're just going to be the same. And this is where we need to put uh, the rubber hits the road as we begin to live these things out. So please do that if you want to. 1 Corinthians say, love, love. Love is these things. Love is not self-seeking. Love, here's a brief snapshot. We're going to come back to the passage here. Love is about giving. Love is expressed by what we give. And Jesus literally gave himself. He gave his life for us. And the, uh, in the scripture there, it says that he gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And what it's doing is it's quoting the Old Testament many, many times, especially in kind of from Exodus onwards, Exodus, Leviticus, it spoke about how offerings were made. They were usually in the form of an animal or grain or something that was tangible in those days that was usually put on an altar and was usually burnt. And it was a fragrant offering. The phrase is used off. It's a fragrant offering, holy and pleasing to the Lord. And Jesus himself was that. His physical body, his life, sacrificed and surrendered, was a holy and pleasing sacrifice to the Lord. We're called to imitate him, to do likewise, to give of ourselves, to give. Folks, this year or this life that we're called to grow up, grow up, is grow in the area of giving. Give, give, give of yourself, give of your time, give of the stuff that is precious to you, but lay it down in an act, as an act of love. Paul then kind of deviates slightly and he goes after what I think is probably the most self-gratifying stuff. It's the opposite really of love or actually it's an abuse of love and I hope that you understand what I mean by that in a minute. It says this, uh, it's basically saying among you there's no hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity. When we think that sexuality is bad nowadays or sexual immorality is bad nowadays and folks it is. However, in the day in which the context in which this was written, it was bad then too. It was really bad. There were temples that were staffed by priestesses who were prostitutes. It was also expected in that culture, the culture that Paul is writing to, that a man would have a mistress. It was like expected. It was normal. It was commonplace and common practice. Uh, brothels were built in Athens to raise funds to build a temple 
to the Aphrodite, to Aphrodite, the goddess of love. This is the context. This is which it is written into. And Paul is saying to the people, if you want to be different, if you want to live a life of love, then don't go after that stuff. There shouldn't even be a hint, not even a hint of it. Now, let's bring it back to our modern age. Sexuality and expression, it's all morality, is, is all over the place. It's commonplace. And actually, if we're really honest, it's quite hard to escape from. We can be going about our business in a very innocent kind of way. You could be clicking onto some website looking for something and there could just be a little picture of something else. You didn't go looking for that, but it's there. You know, you walk in to pay for your diesel and you walk past the newspapers and it's there for, to see. You're driving the car, it's there, it's there. And actually it is, it's just all around us in that way. And that's without even going looking for it, which is a step further. And Paul is saying to those people, and he says to us, folks, there can't be a hint of it. There just can't be a hint of it. However, to us, you see, sexuality is a gift from God. It is hallowed and created and to be enjoyed in the context of holy matrimony. I just love that phrase. I wanted to put it in there. Holy matrimony. Isn't that wonderful? But it's like the ultimate expression of love between a man and a woman to express and again it's about giving so sexuality within a relation with a loving uh, relationship is about it's the most that you can give to someone to express in love and yet isn't it isn't it so like the devil to take that thing and twist it and turn it to actually becoming the most kind of self-gratifying thing that it can be so folks with this thing in mind you know, this is an issue, then instead of kind of going, oh man, this is, hitting, this is hitting home with me this morning, I would encourage you this, is go before Jesus and just say, why is this here? Why is this in me? Why do I do what I do? Why do I slip up in that way? Because he knows anyway, right? Because what often happens within us, regardless of what sin, whatever it is, we kind of put it under the carpet because we feel guilty, we feel shameful, we just brush it under the carpet. And here's the thing, go to Jesus with it and say, God, why is it here? Why, why the, what's going on here? And allow him to speak to you. And allow him to provide for you a way out, a way to freedom, a way um, that allows you to turn, to repent, and to live differently. It goes on, and he says... Um, reiterate some of the things that he said in the previous chapter in chapter 4 and he's talking directly about words the power of our words can convey um, the truth but also lies as well we should speak what is true what is right what is helpful our words should be as the scripture says for thanksgiving they should not be obscenity foolish talk or coarse joking simple not going to go into too much detail on that. But then Paul uh, speaks of what he thinks people are who do, do those things, but also their inheritance or lack of. He urges us to be not to be deceived by empty words. What does that mean? There's two sorts of thought on this with regards to the empty words. First of all, in the ancient world in that time, there was a belief system and a thinking called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism basically, without going into too much detail, believed 
that a person was of, of a spirit and of body, but the things of the body had no consequence whatsoever. What really mattered was about the spirit. So basically it was saying, you can do what you like with your body, it doesn't really matter, it's not really going to affect you, so go ahead and fill your boots. Whereas when it meets the teaching of Christianity, we would think, well now hold on, we are body, we are spirit, but one and the two are the same or intertwined. So if you do one to one thing, it actually affects the other. And then the second thing with regards to the attack on empty words came from, a, uh, came from inside the church. There was this belief in this thinking from inside the church where they perverted the doctrine of grace. And they've said this and they believe this. The grace was there, so it doesn't matter if you sin, if you mess up grace is there it's going to cover it so what's the point in changing let's just go ahead and fill our boots let's just go ahead and do whatever we whatever pleases us and whatever it is that we want to do so uh, you know if we sin even though the more that we sin God's going to forgive us anyway and basically we know that uh, we know that sin is sin and it's wrong but we equally know that grace does have enough to cover over um, the things that we do that are wrong. But we are in danger of therefore taking sin and its consequences too lightly. Sin does come with consequences, but God doesn't want us to do those things. He cares for us and loves us, and he wants to keep us from hurting ourselves and hurting other people. Paul saw that the heathen Gentile life as living in the dark. Before I decided to give my life to Jesus, I too was living in the, in the dark. But when I gave my yes to Jesus, when as a 16-year-old boy, I chose to follow God and to know him and have relationship with him, I became to live in the light. Uh, plants and flowers, they need light to grow. Do you remember doing that science experiment when you grew um, watercress? remember doing that the little polystyrene thing in the watercress and the uh, the tissue paper and then you stuck it in the, the the whatever it was and then you had a lamp that kind of was shone on it It was in the dark but they had a lamp at the side and then the, you'd see next week oh look at your watercress and the watercress is sort of bent over to the side towards it because what does it do it grows towards the light it grows towards the light and plants and they need light to flourish like we do we need the light of Christ in us to shine on us that we might flourish the light allows us to know what is good and what pleases the Lord and there are some things in the Bible that are right it's clear and there's some things in the Bible that are wrong that are clear but I think in this ever increasing and changing world there are some gray areas there are some things that we just don't know we just don't know we have to go to the scriptures as best we can and we need to go to Jesus and pray, God, what do you think about this? And folks, I was trying to think of some good examples and I ran out of time, but maybe you have some. Maybe there's things in life. You come up against things and you're like, I'm just not sure which way to turn here. Is this what Jesus wants? Is this good with Jesus or is this not? It's just a fine line. It's a fine line that we kind of run there. And I would just really encourage you just to keep bringing that stuff. First of all, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. We know, right? It's, it's it's either here or it's there. It's kind of in the middle. Just shine the light. Go to Jesus. Ask him. 
ask him to, that you might see clearly. I was doing some sewing yesterday. I know that's probably hard to believe, but I was. It was uh, very intricate. I was actually stitching a hole in a, a garment of mine. And, um, and you know that bit when you thread the needle? Like, that's pretty tricky, right? And, um, and, and I found myself, I need some light here. And so I went to the front of the house because it's, I think, north-facing. Uh, the back of the house isn't very good with light. The front is good. I don't know if it's north or south. And I went there deliberately to thread the needle. And then I actually sat there and, and uh, stitched my hole. It was very, very uh, good indeed. That sounded really rude, didn't it? <laughs> You're laughing the most. I wasn't going to draw attention to what I said. It was him. <laughs> Our worship leader. That's even worse. <laughs> Goodness me. Just rewind. Can we, can we edit the tape afterwards? I can't quite recover from this bit. We need, and this is going to all sound wrong from now on, isn't it? It's terrible. <laughs> if you're our guest here this morning, this is not normal. We need to go to the light. The light exposes evil. And the best way to get rid of evil in the world is to let the light be exposed on the evil. When something is being done in the dark, it remains there and is allowed to keep happening. But when it's exposed, it has the power to stop it. Consider these things. Consider what God has been doing over the last couple of years or so. And I mean in the, in the national kind of way. As we've been praying, come Holy Spirit, come, come and do great things. Come shine your light on our nation, on our people, on our town. Would you change lives? As his light shines, it shines in the dark places and it reveals and it brings things up to the surface. Consider a couple of years ago the MP's expenses scandal, how that was brought to the forefront. Consider the drug scandals in sport. A great hero of mine was Lance Armstrong. Consider that that has been exposed now, has been revealed to us in the light. Consider the practices of banks and the way that, that, that things have gone on there, that all those things, all that bad way of trading and doing business has been exposed. Consider Jimmy Savile and other folks of famous uh, fame who are in the limelight and all of that that has been revealed to us now. Consider the abuse within the church that has taken place over many, many years. All these things that have risen and been exposed to the light. And the reason that they are is so that they can be stopped, so that that stuff cannot prevail, that that stuff cannot happen any longer. God is exposing this stuff to get rid of it. And folks, again, consider the stuff in our own lives. As we allow Jesus' light to shine on us, it just reveals stuff in us. And again, go with that. Allow that. Don't be afraid of that. His kindness leads us to repentance. And you know, that's why confession is so helpful. It's finding a friend, finding someone that you know and trust. And say, this is going on in my life. As you begin to do that, you're shining the light on it. And it has the power to set you free. Everything that is brought to the light has the power to be healed by the light. Or as it says, becomes light. That's what Jesus does. Consider the story. Those of you who know this. The woman at the well. 
Jesus goes and he sits. Uh, it's moon and moon. It's noon. It's the hottest part of the day. And he has this conversation with this woman. And it's just him and her. He breaks every taboo. A Jewish man with a Samaritan woman. And he says, you've had X number of wives. And the person you're with, husbands, you've had, I'm all over the show. You've had so many husbands and the person you're with now is not your husband. He reveals to her her stuff. He knows. He knows our stuff. And he reveals it, brings it up in conversation. Why? Because his kindness leads to repentance. And what happened was, you know, it's like, I know this is going on in your life, but I don't want you to live this way. There's a better way. It's what we said right at the beginning. It's the better way. Do you want to live that way? There's a better way. Go walk that way. So Jesus doesn't come and he doesn't say, you're an absolute whatever woman. Come on, lads, get the stones, pick them up. Give them a good old hurl. He says, that's going on, but there's a different way. And so for us folks, as he exposes our stuff, he does it because he wants to heal us. He does it because he wants to set us free. And until we do, we stay locked in and paralyzed. Unable to move on. Unable to grow until we let Jesus in. Because he is the way, because he is the truth, and he is the life. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. And Paul ends with this. He says this. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. It's probably poetry. It's probably taken from a, an early Christian hymn or song that was written. Those words that are quoted there. And in the last bit here, be careful then how you live. I sense that Paul is coming into land on all the points that he's made about walking the walk. Make the most of every opportunity. Folks, hitting middle age kind of puts a little bit of a perspective on life. I kind of feel I'm at half time. If I'm going good, if I'm going to go fairly, fairly good in years, I kind of feel like I'm at half time here. And I, I know what, but the older you get, it, it, life's going faster, right? It's speeding up. It's not slowing down. Uh, there's a few gray heads nodding as well. Yeah, It's like, it kind of gives you a perspective on life. It's like, God still has you here, so if he has you here, he has a purpose for you, okay? If you're still here, if you're still breathing, he has you here for a reason. And so make the most of every opportunity. Time is short, let's get on with it. One last point before Paul lands, he says this, don't get drunk, it leads to debauchery. It's pretty good advice. Getting drunk leads to all kinds of stuff, right? And folks here at the vineyard, if you know me personally and you know, um, yeah, you know that I like a beer, you know that I'm, uh, I like red wine, and um, and actually recently I've grown a bit partial to a single malt whiskey as well in my, in my aging kind of years. The point I'm simply making is I enjoy that and I'm good with that. And we are good with that, uh, but always within moderation and always bearing in mind that other people might not be able to, uh, to, 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 to drink uh, in that way. 
and being considerate, but it's okay. But drunkenness is different, and drunkenness can wreak havoc. Instead of drunkenness, Paul makes a contrast. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't fill yourself with the, with the juice. Fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. Get your kicks from that. And right at the end, he says this. We can clearly see that the early church were a singing community. That part and parcel of their expression as a community was that they did what we still do today. And that's that we sing songs, worship songs, love songs that communicate how we love God. Can you come? We've uh, three, cha- three, three more to go. We're going to do uh, the end of chapter five next week. And, uh, and then we've got a corking bit um, in chapter six. They're all good, by the way. But we love the armor, don't we? Don't we love dressing our kids up with making shields and rockets and swords and all the rest? Uh, so we're going to do the same. No, we're not going to do the same. We're going to talk about the same. We're not going to. We can make shields if you want. Okay, girls. Folks, why don't we stand together? We're going to worship some more and then we're going to pray.